On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football with Teddy telling the hilarious stories of what happened to him in the radio booth this weekend. Then we recap OU's blowout win over Texas Tech in Lubbock. We also recap Oklahoma State's disappointing home loss to Texas. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games of the weekend and discuss the big news in college football. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Bucks and Giants. To finish up, we remember the one and only Billy Tubbs in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 2nd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Uh, watching the Cowboys and Eagles go at it on Sunday night football in a much-anticipated matchup there in the NFC East. But, Teddy, before we get to the actual recap of OU slaughter of Texas Tech, we had what can only be described as a first in the radio booth and i I, it's your story it happened to you so i figured it's only right that you tell it in the amount of detail that you would like to tell it in you're talking about the fox story right the fox in the stadium okay so now that i think that was weird too there was a live fox there just chilling jones at&t stadium there in lubbock but you had two very interesting things happened to you in the radio booth, and we probably should have just locked the damn door, but we didn't. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, where do we start? I, so- I would start with the, uh, the rattlesnake tail that was gifted to you. <laughs> yes, so start there, okay. and then let's get to the number two. So here's the thing. In 
Lubbock has a beautiful press box, by the way. It's fantastic. And the radio booth is on like the suite level. So you've got like the big press area in the middle. And then to each side, you've got a, a row of suites and like the row to what was that? That would have been the north side of the stadium, right? Is you've got like the visiting AD, then you've got the visiting coaches, then you got the visiting radio, and then there's like three or four suites on down from that. Well, up front where we sit, there's glass dividers, so you can see all the way down through all of the suites. And I'm on the last row. I'm right down next to the glass, so I could see all the different people down in their suites. And I would actually look down there because the TV in the booth for the replay was on the other side of me, so I had to look to the like a couple booths down to see the TV. Well, I could see all these people the whole time. We had a, a the suite next to us had like ten girls in there, and they were taking selfies the whole time. Unbelievable and, amount of pictures <laughs> taken. It, it was, was unreal. But in the suite past that was a, a group that had a bunch of OU fans in there. So as the game was going on, and I would be looking down there, seeing their TV, looking for a replay, they started, like, waving and, you know, showing the OU shirts and, and all of that stuff. And drinking, Gabe. They were drinking down there. You could tell. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometime in the second half, since we were, it was such a blowout, the suite with tech fans between our booth and the one with OU fans, they bailed. They got out. They had seen enough. They were gone. So now there was just a booth, an empty booth between us, and they were coming in there, and a guy came in there and was, like, taking a picture through the glass and, and all of that. So then randomly, we're on air. It's like it's in the fourth quarter, and – I can hear Drake, you know, we've got, we've got a bunch of people on the broadcast, but the only mics that are actually live going out over the air are Gabe, Toby, Plank, and myself. Everyone else is, we can hear it in our headset, but it doesn't go out live. And I can hear Drake just having a conversation with someone while we're broadcasting the game. It's like, what, what's going on back there, dude? And it's some lady. It's the lady from the, the sweet, two down i would say a, a seasoned woman right a yes. seasoned woman a older woman and she's handing drake something and says give this to teddy it's good luck and i turn around and i reach up there and grab it and it's a rattlesnake tail is which leads me to all kinds of questions like is is that a thing? Like you give someone else the rattle off a rattlesnake? Like, is that a good luck charm? Like I, I, I guess I couldn't stop laughing. I had to turn my mic off. Like I, w I was dying laughing. I, I didn't know what to do. Cause I'm trying to still maintain a bit of uh, professionalism here as the broadcast is going on. Oh, it's like, okay, great. A lady that's had some beverages brought me a rattlesnake tail. That's cool. Um, which, you know, I don't know if it was an old one. I don't know if they found a snake that day and cut the tail off of it. I got be, no details. Because she couldn't have been like, you know what? I'm going to be able to get to Teddy Lehman and give him this during this game. Like, she had that, like, in her purse. Right. She was just randomly carrying that around, yes. So, 
That's the not crazy story. And then, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Tell it, tell it. So after that, you know, whenever she comes in there, it's obviously, it's like, okay, they're having a lot of fun. They've had a bunch of beverages, you know. Probably, I probably should have locked the door. Right. We but I did should have locked the door. So then, you know, I, a few minutes goes by. I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It's hard to tell. And then again, remember the booth or the suite next to us is empty. So we're still broadcasting the game. And then on the glass, I can see the guy because he had already come over there to take a picture. And I could see him banging on the glass right here next to me again. And I can see him the whole time, but I'm looking, I'm acting like I'm looking down here and I'm hoping at some point he's going to give up and, and go away. So we come to some type of pause in the action. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to look over here, smile, he'll take a picture, and, you know, we'll be done with this. I look over, and he's right up against the glass like this, and he turns and points <laughs> back to his booth. So they're in this one. He points to the booth that's on the other side. So I look up, and there's his wife or girlfriend or somebody and she lifts her shirt up fully exposed and i'm like oh my i look i'm like oh my god and then i'm like did i really just see that a couple seconds later look up again and she's still just standing there and, and i'm just like uh try again we're calling a football game. It's in the middle of the football game. So I'm trying to maintain a little bit of focus. And I've just, you know, I, it's hard to carry on from that point. And then, if that's not enough, Gabe still hasn't locked the door. Still hasn't. Well, at this they, point, I'm like, we're off the rails. Uh, there's no way I'm locking this door. Whatever happens, happens. So a, a few minutes later, they just come on in the broadcast booth again, go down to the front row, take a picture. It's like, all right, thanks, guys. We're still calling the game. And Toby's like, lock the door. <laughs> Finally, so, the, uh, the actual professional is like, okay, enough. But, yeah, so um, if you're wondering, you mentioned that they came in. The, the woman that uh, exposed herself – Mm-hmm. to you uh then came into the radio booth to oh. take a picture with you and it you know it's just and it was uh, i'll never i i hope i never forget it because your reaction while you're you were analyzing a play <laughs> and then your reaction and i was like what happened so i had to start saying something because i was just like something happened and then by your reaction, I knew something hilarious happened. And yeah, I, I wonder if this is, is this the first time a college football color analyst on the official school broadcast has been flashed? I assume it's not. I assumed it's happened before, but I, I also assume it's rare. Teddy and I don't know. I'm starting to think that maybe every visiting radio uh, crew that goes to Lubbock 
you know, maybe gets the same treatment, I guess. I don't know. But they were OU fans. I, I know. I, well, maybe <laughs> That they... was the best part. I was like, all right, you know what? Let's oh, get weird. God. Whenever I heard the commotion again for the last time, and I turned around, and there they were again in our booth, I I just wanted to crawl into a hole and die, Gabe. It was it like, was... get me out of here. Honestly, I just – I, I just let it keep going because you were so uncomfortable <laughs> and it brought me so much joy to see you so uncomfortable oh while God. still doing your job at a very high level. It was, it was awesome for me to watch all of it happen. I'm sorry. I, I probably should have done something. I apologize. You could have stopped the car wreck, but it was just too enticing to watch the whole thing. And I will say this. And I, I, I am not going to put it out there on any social media platform. But if you do not believe this story, it's there, documented. Is, there is video evidence <laughs> if you don't believe it. It is documented. <laughs> I have the proof. <laughs> so, yeah. Which I thought, you know, whenever I first told you guys, because no one else, I don't think anyone else, because from where I was sitting. I didn't have I the think, angle, but yeah, I knew I something happened because I saw your reaction. Whenever I, whenever I first told you guys, I thought everyone was, was kind of like, uh, no, what, really? Seriously? I was like, <laughs> I said, Greg, were, were you videoing? <laughs> and there, the, the video exists. <laughs> All right, Ted, let's get this to the local college. Film. Oh, it was, what a, what a story. Let's get to the local college football. It's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. That is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. Wow, that was a thorough ass-kicking that the Sooners put on the Red Raiders in Lubbock. There's a lot to be happy about. Um, You know, you can find flaws in any game, Ted, but uh, let's start with the offense. Rattler, his improvement continues to impress me. That's about as impressive as a passing performance I can remember from a quarterback his age. I mean, there's no doubt that his arm is elite when you talk about arm strength, but the thing that really impresses me is his touch. Uh, There was a couple throws in this game where I just sat there going, I mean, those are NFL Pro Bowl caliber throws. That's what they were, and I, I don't think I'm blowing that out of proportion either and we heard him talk after the game that things are starting to slow down for him certainly the offensive line is starting to play at a higher level they're protecting him really well Texas Tech couldn't get anywhere near him and disrupt his rhythm at all that one throw where it looked like he dropped it in from the damn sky on the deep over out to Marvin Mims was absolutely fantastic it looked like he dropped it from that damn full moon that was there in Lubbock. Oh, that, was, um, that was amazing, by the way. We didn't it, even talk about that. It's the biggest moon I've ever seen. I know it's the same moon I always see, but it's definitely the biggest one. But 
once again, uh, some of his best throws were dropped, right? Had the two touchdowns that got dropped, uh, the deep one to Mims that you could just see how much anguish that caused Marvin <laughs> Mims. And then Weiss drops uh, a ball I expect him to catch on a perfectly thrown back shoulder football. Uh, but I know you loved that TD. Uh, he threw to Stogner. That was another high-level throw. But, Ted, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks, with what we've seen, and I know it's only been two games, but with what we've seen over the last two games, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the country I'd rather have than this kid right now. And I know that sounds ridiculous. He got benched, like, just a couple games ago. Right. And he's been fantastic ever since. He's been – I mean, he has played at an incredibly high level. Yeah. I mean – there were some of those throws. I think what's the most interesting, and it always takes a little bit of time. You know, I go back to Baker Mayfield in 2015, and even again in 2016, it took a while before he fully trusted his offensive line. He'd drop back. If the first read wasn't there, he'd panic and scramble and get outside the pocket, which he made some great things happen outside the pocket. But the more he developed as a passer and the further he got along, he started to trust those guys that would just stand there and stay in the pocket with eyes down the field and wait on everything to open up. And that's what it's starting to look like with Rattler. That long pass to Stogner, that first one, he fumbles the snap. I don't know if he just mishandled it or if it was a bad snap. I don't know what it was, but he fumbles it. It goes down to the right. He picks it up. like It's no problem. Oh, whoops, dropped it. I'll pick this thing up. Eyes downfield the entire time. There was no panic. He even tells Stogner to keep going. Sees an open spot down the field, just lets it rip. I mean, he's feeling it right now, and you, it just shows he's incredibly accurate. What I think is great is that you pointed out that touchdown to Stogner. He's throwing back shoulder plays away from the safety. Like that was, I mean, that was great. Looks the safety off to one direction and then throws it to Stogner in traffic, but puts it, Stogner's looking on his inside shoulder, but he puts it on the other shoulder where he spins and catches it away from where the safety's coming. If he would have put it on the inside shoulder, safety could have made a play on it. And you just don't see quarterbacks making those plays a whole lot at this level. You just don't. That's, like you said, that's NFL stuff. So there are flashes in there where, he looks, you know, as, as good as we've seen throwing the football here in, you know, as good as some of the stuff we saw with Baker, as good as some of the stuff we saw with Kyler. We'll see how consistent he could be because he's really just put together a couple games here. But if he can continue to get better, then, you know, the sky's really the limit. And I'm with you. I mean, here's the thing. He's going to be a freshman next year too. So, I mean – how many freshmen are going to be looking like that? Who would you trade that has four years of eligibility? There's, the answer to that is zero. There's nobody. And not only that, because I was thinking about this earlier because I was like, man, am I, am I making too much of these last two games for Rattler? Like, it's only been two games. Like, don't I need to see him do this for, like, the rest of the season to be completely sold? But then I was like, I was thinking about some of these throws. And – I started to think about what quarterbacks just in general in the country with what I've seen from him 
in the last two weeks. Like if he continues to play this way, continues to improve, not to mention the elusiveness he's showing. He's adding some stuff in the run game. He's picking up, you know, first downs with his legs. Like he's doing some really smart things running the football as well. How about that spin move? That that was sick. But I was just looking at like the top teams in the country. Would I rather have Trevor Lawrence than Spencer Rattler? Yes, I would. Trevor Lawrence is a phenomenal football player. And then I got to, well, would I rather have Mac Jones than Spencer Rattler? And I was like, I'm not really sure. And, I mean, those are the two best teams in the country. Would I rather have Justin Fields? Probably at this point with what Justin Fields can do as a runner. But other than those three guys, there's no one even in the conversation. Maybe the Zach Wilson kid from BYU. I like the way he plays, but with the way that he's played over the last two games, if he continues playing like that, if that's him, he is right now one of the best five quarterbacks in college football. Yeah. he. I mean, some of the throws, I mean, I don't think he's lucking into those throws. Like, you can, you can throw a bad ball that turns out to be perfect. You know, you can, but, and I, I guess you could say that maybe some of that's what some of those are, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, it seems like he's doing it with, with some, some regularity and he's seeing things out there. I will say this, and I mentioned this during the broadcast and I think it's totally true. There's a direct correlation between Spencer Rattler playing better and the offensive line playing better. No doubt. The better they have looked, the better he has looked. So if that continues, which I've got no reason to, to uh, you know, suspect that it won't, then I think he's going to keep playing at this same level. So, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I see a lot of quarterback play, and it's hard to compare because, you know, whenever you compare, you know, Spencer Rattler to – Heck, just compare him to Columbia there at Texas Tech. Spencer Rattler enjoys great protection, a great running game, fantastic athletes at every position. Most other quarterbacks in the country, aside from maybe four or five guys, are running for their life on every play, throwing to guys that, you know, are, you know, three-star wide receivers that couldn't go to – you know what I'm saying? It's, so it's hard to compare. Like, could one of those quarterbacks come to Oklahoma and have the success of Rattler? Maybe. And would he look like he does now at their school? No. So it's, it's kind of hard to compare those. But, you know, he's at a point now as a freshman. And, you know, I'll just tell you, freshman quarterbacks did not look like that whenever I was in college. They just didn't. No. And, I mean, you can credit that to a lot of, you know, the specialty that goes to the position and everything. But, I mean, he, he looks great. He, look, yeah. he looks fantastic. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line uh, starting to step their shit up. And then the return of Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, in case anybody didn't realize his suspension was over, Ramondre Stevenson reminded us all with that hilarious t-shirt that said I'm back that he wore underneath his pad. Now, 
kind of funny that he didn't reveal the shirt till the third touchdown. Uh, I think that, you know, maybe he was feeling himself a little bit, and he should. And uh, You've got to read the room a little bit, right? There's You've no doubt. You've got to read the room. <laughs> and I, 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 wonder, I, I wonder who made that shirt for him. I'm very curious. I would like to know the origins of that shirt as well because that, that was pretty cool. But you can see the difference maker he is in this running game, uh, consistently making – Guys miss. I'm not sure the first guy brought him down all night. And then he was passing out baptismal stiff arms. It was, I mean, they were grown man stiff arms. And also at the running back position, it it was really interesting to see the way that Lincoln Riley used Seth McGowan. Yeah. uh, Almost as like a utility player, right? A little running back, a little wide receiver, Constantly in motion, you know, messing with the defense, drawing their attention. I, I thought that was really interesting. But the running back position with Ron, Ramondre Stevenson back, it's looking strong, Ted. It's looking yeah. really strong. And I think that running game is trending in a very positive direction now. No, it looks good. And, yeah, we've got three tailbacks, and they love getting the ball to McGowan a bunch of different ways, throwing swing screens, handing it to him on quicks the little two-hand touch pass on the quick that counts as a reception. Um, It reminds me of, as I was watching some of the replay from Ohio State, Penn State, I started thinking about it. What was that? Was it Curtis Samuel that was there that they used like that? What was that guy's name whenever they came to Norman? The Ohio State guy? Yeah. Paris Campbell. Is that who it was? Paris Campbell. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Super fast. When they came to Norman. I don't know, but Paris Campbell was also one of the, a guy like that, and he was I, super fast. I was thinking it was Curtis Samuel for some reason. I could be wrong on that. I'll have to go back and look. But anyways, the point is, it's one of those things where these three guys, like Lincoln doesn't want to rotate three guys through at tailback. He, I mean, that's hard. It's hard to get into a rhythm that way. And But it's the, it's, it's the old, we have to have our best playmakers on the field. So how are we going to do that? Well, let's create a position for him that did not exist before. You know, it's like Perfect. running back slash wide receiver, and we'll get him the ball. We'll build a whole package out of it. You saw them; they ran with – he would line up out as a wide receiver and come in motion, and they ran the quick that way. They ran fake quick, zone read off of it. They ran fake quick quarterback follow off of it they ran fake quick throw the swing route off of it I mean they have a whole package and it's easy to build on that a bunch of different ways as you as you move on so I think we're going to continue to see Seth McGowan be a big part of this offense yeah uh, no doubt and then you know just looking at the pass catchers Stogner continues to be a big weapon for this football team just the size the speed he's just a tough matchup for anyone they're going to play Theo Weiss, uh, he continues to impress me. Now, I know he had the drop on that good ball from Rattler, but he he continues to be Mr. Reliable on third down for this team. I, I think that pattern is starting to be established, Ted. And then Mims, you know, some freshman moments. Some freshman moments, but they will I, – I, I have no doubt that those moments will motivate him going forward because he looked – heartbroken when he dropped that touchdown heartbroken well i mean here's the thing 
OU has an embarrassment of riches at the skill positions. They just do. Everyone that they play, they vastly outmatch them with the skill positions. We can have a guy have a couple of drops, drop a, a wide open touchdown. The grand scheme of things, you don't even notice looking back on the football game unless you, you know, scan through your notes, you know, because you've got, like you mentioned, Mr. Reliable on third down is, is Theo Weiss. You got uh, Stogner, who they finally figured out, throw it to him going vertical because they cannot make a play on the football. He's too big. He, it's too high. They're either going to interfere with him or he's going to catch the pass. That's, all, that's what's going to happen. I mean, he's an easy target on the crossers because he's so big, but that makes it easy on the defense because they can sit back with eyes on the quarterback and break on the ball. But whenever you're chasing him down the field and your back is to it, you can't, you can't cover the big guy that easy. So I think they're going to continue to do that. But all of that to say that Mims and Stogner last week against TCU had some drops. We get such good play out of numerous guys that they can, you know, right now there's a huge margin for error on guys having some drops out there and they're able to overcome it. Now, we all know whenever you really start to play the best of the best out there, You've got to make those plays or you're going to be going home early. So I'm glad it happened now against Tech in a blowout. Yeah, yeah. And those guys are only going to continue to get better. And I think this offense this offense is on its way to being one of the best in the country. It, I, 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 I really believe that. Um, you get Bridges back whenever he comes back. Seems like that situation is a little weird, but we'll see. Uh, when they, we'll see when Hazelwood – comes back, it, it sounds like he is very close. Now, if I was them, I wouldn't play him against Kansas because you don't need him. I'd get him these extra two weeks right with the bye, but Hazelwood is close, very, very close. And he's the most talented wide receiver they've got. I mean, you talk about size, speed. So this offense is going to continue to get better, and if Rattler continues to play that way, watch out. Now, Ted, the defense, though, probably the bright spot in this game because other than that first drive from Tech, you know, Tech runs some nice RPOs. Sir Roderick Thompson rips off a couple nice runs, um, score a touchdown. But then defense settled in, got them some takeaways, got a little luck, which never hurts, and it was a good performance. Uh, I, I always defer to you on the defense and got to be pleased, right? I, yeah. I mean, it all starts with that defensive line and they have really started to come in to their own here. And I think it's a combination of repping it over and over and over in practice, um, seeing the results on the field. I mean, you never really buy into a scheme until it starts to pay off for you. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I see uh, you show me film from back whenever you ran it at whatever school and that some guys made big plays and had big, big years, but I uh, will see. And until it really starts to pay off, guys don't really lock in as to what, what that defense can really do for them. And now that everyone's started to have success and those numbers are starting to, to show up and guys are living in the backfield and they're saying, huh, if I do go as hard as I can and penetrate whenever I'm out there and 
and play my tail off. I'm going to make tackles for loss. I'm going to create havoc in the backfield. I'm going to get to the quarterback on third down. And those guys are really starting to understand it. They're starting to get a really good feel for the twist games up front. And they're, they're doing some different things out of that with different guys and giving different looks. And it's, it's tough, man. It's hard enough to block uh, a Ronnie Perkins or a Winfrey or an Isaiah Thomas whenever you've just got a straight one-on-one. But whenever you've got to block a guy and then they twist and then you've got to kick over and try and bump down a guy, that makes it even more difficult whenever they're penetrating the way they do. So I think the defensive line is only going to continue to get better. The question is, can we continue to tackle in the secondary? Can we continue to tackle at linebacker? And if that if if you just go back and make some routine tackles this year in the Kansas State game, Iowa State game, and even Texas, you know, we're talking about an undefeated football team right now, most likely. You know, routine tackles. Not yeah. not guys mental mistakes and guys out of position and not knowing where they're supposed to be. You got guys in position to make the play unblocked. So we can it's it's been frustrating, but we've gotten a lot better. And the defense we are now nowhere close to what we were three or four weeks ago, but we've got to continue to get better because well the one thing that you do have to honestly say is quarterback wise, offense wise, we haven't seen really anything yet because Oklahoma State. They can throw it all over the yard. They can run it well. They've got uh, a ton of really good wide receivers and skill guys. So that's going to be a really big challenge in a couple of weeks. But right now, you got to love that they continue to improve. And some of the young guys that got to get some run look good too. Yeah. A lot of young guys out there, especially in the secondary, in the second half of that game. But I was looking at my notes uh, from the game. Teddy, and one of the things I wrote down was I'm just happy for Trey Norwood. I mean, it's a guy that, you know, he had to battle back off the knee. I I think it took him a little longer to feel like he was 100% back. I think think it was a tough rehab for him, and it it was good to see him out there getting his chance and making plays. And I know it's kind of lucky, but he looked good. He looked damn good. He's in good spots. He was aggressive back there at safety. And you're right. It's a guy coming off of uh, a rehab, which is difficult, got no spring, got no summer, and then missed 28 days with contact tracing through training camp and did not get to practice with the team. So he's four weeks behind everyone else in trying to really, you know, grasp everything, get in game shape, get in football shape, you know, get caught up with the speed of the game. So off of that performance, you know, I think we're going to see him a lot. You know, I like Turner Yellen. I think he's done some really good things. But I think whenever he plays like that, they say we've got to put him on the field somehow, somewhere. Is it going to be a safety? Maybe. Nickel? Maybe. Corner? Maybe. I don't know. But there, he's going to be on the field more. I definitely agree with that. And then my other note that really stood out to me uh, – Ronnie Perkins ran down a running back. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that First was Darius right? Townsend. Yep. Uh, that was terrifying and awesome all at the same time. Um, it's good to have seven back on that defense. There's no doubt. 
He changes things, man. He really does. Oh boy. He, the way he comes off that edge, the way he runs some of those games, he's just a, a physical, violent football player. And between him and Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas, that three-man group there, and then you got Benito as the rush backer standing up, that's pretty yeah, that- salty. That overload front, that they, it was those four guys, right? It was 7, 8, 95, and 11. And they hopped into that overload front. That, that was their pressure package in the third and medium, third and long stuff. And they ran all kinds of combinations of twists. They went straight rush a couple of times. And Texas Tech just – I felt bad for the offensive linemen because they just – they didn't have a damn chance. It was – it made me sad for them. They didn't have a chance if they went straight rush. They didn't have a chance if they, you know, ran twist games, whether it was just, you know, two twists or a three-man twist. It was – I felt for those boys. Uh, they got their ass thoroughly whooped on third down. Um, that overload front, those four guys, I, I think they're going to get really creative with them. That's, that's going to be the third long pressure package for OU. And it allows you not to have to bring any more than four. If you can get home with that, that that gives you so much flexibility in the back end. Changes everything. And one of the good things about running stunts up front is you build a stunt to try and force a quarterback into a certain spot, right? And you usually end up containing him better whenever you're running a stunt because a guy knows that when we run this stunt, I have to contain the edge or I have to get across the center's face. But whenever everyone goes straight rush, a guy may take an inside move just because he's reacting to someone oversetting him or something. And the guy inside him may make an inside move too. And the next thing you know, you got no contained player. The quarterback's broken out and you've got a, you know, you've, you've got a free runner out there in an off-schedule play, and you're in big trouble. But whenever you run those stunts, it's usually built in. You help corral that quarterback a lot better. All right, Ted, uh, it's time for Call Your Shot. Call Your Shot's brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra-premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And Nathan Mangrum at Soonerborn underscore 90. I don't know if we've done him before or not. I don't really care because this is a good one. Nathan's calling his shot and he says, when Oklahoma plays a full game, they are still the best team in the conference. Teddy, your thoughts? Fully agree. So do I. I. Fully agree. I just don't think that at times – 
Oklahoma State with Tylen Wallace and with Sanders and with Chuba Hubbard, they can be unbelievable on offense. But Spencer Sanders is a turnover machine. You know, on defense, they've got uh, they've got a group that can go. You know, inside backer good, D line good, good on the secondary. But you know, they can they're susceptible to giving up some big plays and and, and having some poor play at times. So when everything is clicking, Oklahoma is the best football team in the conference. I, 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 I don't I, – having Perkins back and Ramondre Stevens back changes a whole lot because now all of a sudden we've got what I, you know, have been saying for a long time, and I think he's going to get there. If he could just stay on the field with some consistency, I think he could be the premier defensive player in the conference. And Ramondre Stevenson, is he going to be the best running back in the conference, the highest drafted running back in the conference? Probably not, but he's right there on the level with those guys. You know, yeah. whenever you talk about would you trade him, I mean, you're going to think long and hard before you would trade him for any of those other running backs. It's, it's probably a good time to remind people, Ramondre Stevenson weighs 246 pounds. Beast. And is moving like that. So, yeah, he's got a future. At the next level, there's no doubt. Now, does he have the speed of Chuba Hubbard? Not quite, but he's a damn, damn good back. So, I agree with you, Nathan. So does Teddy. Uh, when Oklahoma plays – and with the trajectory that that offense is on and Perkins back for the defense, what that defensive line is doing, how that's creating more confidence, especially in the back end for Oklahoma, yeah, i Bedlam's going to be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of yep, fun. I agree. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma State, they fall at home in overtime to the Texas Longhorns. And the Cowboys did everything possible to lose this game. Turned the football over. Gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. What roughed the punter to an extended drive. And they still went to overtime, which I think says and more the about the coin toss and had a chance to win it. I mean, if they wanted to, you know. Right. But OSU outgained Texas 530 yards to 287 yards. Uh, it, it has to be so frustrating for Mike Gundy and his players. I mean, the, this is a classic woulda, coulda, shoulda. Game. They should have won this game by three scores. I mean, they really should have. And watching Spencer Sanders continues to be like riding a damn roller coaster. I mean, the highs and lows of this kid's play, it's remarkable. I, I, th I also thought defensively for Oklahoma State, I, I thought they played well enough to win, but losing Colby, Colby Harvell Peel was a big blow for them. I, and some people were saying it was a hammy, then it was a head injury. I was a little confused on that. But him not being out there, especially in that second half, that was, uh, that was a huge blow for Oklahoma State. And Texas attacked where he would have been. And you got to give, give credit to the Longhorns. That's smart football. But Tylen Wallace is still a monster. Uh, he is back to the Tylen Wallace we've seen before. He was dominant in this game, but I feel like we've said this before. You have to give Sam Ellinger his credit. 
He continues he to be good. Battles. He, he battles. That's a perfect way. He battles, especially late in games. Had a couple really nice plays in overtime. And then Joseph Osai, that dude was, was the best great. player in the field. He was the best he, player in the field. He was great. Um, and did you see – I think it was Osai. Did you see that hit he had on Spencer Sanders late in the game? Oh, my God, on one of his scrambles. It was brutal. I was surprised to see Sanders get up from that. He <laughs> got fucking rocked. I was like, oh, but I, hey, touche to Spencer Sanders. That a way to show some I toughness, agree. but man, that was a shot. It was. And, you know, because of all the things, you know, Texas is a lightning rod. They're like the Dallas Cowboys to a certain degree that it's a soap opera and everyone enjoys the demise, you know, watching them just, you know, burn up internally. But I thought they played a pretty good football game. I know. Had, had a special teams play in a tight game. Special teams always going to matter. Kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, I know they missed that long extra point. I think it was after that play, actually. But, um, you know, the running game, not great, but they moved the chains. They are not a high-flying offense, but they moved the chains. They put the ball in the end zone whenever they have to. Ellinger battles. He creates. Um, Jake Smith, who the hell is this guy with seven catches? Uh, his his hamstring works again. How about that? <laughs> I mean, he had a nice game. Uh, Eagles look good. I mean, all of their guys are making the plays they're supposed to make. They still haven't really got that running game going the way that they want to. But I think their defense is playing better. I think they're starting – you know, you got to remember – they had no spring, no summer, and they installed a new defense. A, like They didn't make a couple of minor, minor tweaks and change some verbiage. It's a completely different wholesale change defensively, totally different structure, and they just didn't have a whole lot of time with it. Now they're working into the middle of the season, and to me, it looks like they're starting to play better. Yeah, and they got players. Texas has players. I mean, they do, but uh, Oklahoma State should have won that game. Yeah. It, if you take care of the football, you win the game. I, I mean, the last play of the game is the perfect example of why Spencer Sanders, I think, drives me crazy and drives Oklahoma State fans crazy. Texas goes zero blitz. It's fourth down. They go all out blitz. It is straight up man-to-man. Spencer Sanders is staring right at the zero blitz. When it's zero, that means Tylen Wallace is one-on-one. -on -one. Just throw him the damn ball. Just get it out of your hand. Throw, Just throw it, it. like a grenade if you have to and let him go at least try and go up and make a play. Do anything but let Joseph Osai sack you and end the football game. Throw it. Yeah. Infuriating. Well, Here's the difference. Go back to Texas, had the ball first. Ellinger gets a zero blitz. Scrambles knows, out to the right. He knows who's going to be unblocked. He fades away from the unblocked player and throws it downfield to let one of his receivers go make a play, and they get a pass interference call first down. They end up punching the thing in. Fast forward to the next. 
you know, with Oklahoma State, it's a zero blitz. And Sanders, you know, deuces himself, has no idea what to do with the ball, and panicked and takes a sack, game over. How do you take a sack? It's fourth and what? It was like fourth and eight. Throw, eight, the, yeah. throw the ball. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, I was shocked. shocked. I guess he thought he was going to get around the edge and Asai wasn't going to chase him down. Wrong. Osai, do you see that stat line? 12 tackles, seven solo, six TFLs, three sacks. Have a day. And Just I know Osai. he had at least one fumble recovery, didn't he? Have, maybe had two? Probably, yeah. I, think I he mean, may have he had two fumble recoveries. He's just a monster. Is monster, but um, the reality of Oklahoma State losing to Texas is the Big Twelve is officially eliminated from the college football playoff picture. I think that is fair to say. And now we can all just enjoy how weird this conference is going to be this year, and it's only going to get weirder. It's going to be fun. I, I think all the teams in this league. No other than Kansas, right? Throw Kansas out. It's going to be extremely competitive these last couple of weeks, and we don't have to worry about the college football playoff thing. Eh, take a year off. Everyone relax. I, I feel really good about this team right now, at least making it to the Big 12 championship. And if they're in, I probably, no matter who it is, feel like they're going to win that football game. But you know, I do have to pump the brakes a little bit. You're talking let's, about OU, right? OU, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Let's let's see what see what we look like against Oklahoma State's offense, but in their defense. Yeah. So AP pulls out. Oklahoma State falls to number 14 after the loss, and OU climbs to number 19. All right, Ted. Let's move on to National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurance is able to, oh, insurance, you never know. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A. Com. Ted, let's start with number three, Ohio State, going to number 18, Penn State, and winning 38-25, and it wasn't really that close. I, I think uh, Ohio State, this game was never in doubt. Never in doubt. They were in control the entire way, and I'll keep saying it. Justin Fields is that dude. He is fantastic. The guy is on a damn mission, and – all the offensive weapons for the Buckeyes played a part in this one. Teague in the backfield, Olave, Garrett Wilson, um, Ohio State's defense. Remember, they didn't look great against Nebraska, but thought they played better in this one. Zach Harrison looks like he's going to be the next stud defensive lineman coming out of that program. 
Now, I, I guess if you're looking for bright spots for Penn State, Jahan Dotson had some Ooh. absolutely ridiculous plays. Back to that, back. That one-hander. Zip, just stuck it. Beautiful. And kind of bodied Sean Wade before he did it. I was like, okay, Dotson. That was, uh, that was sick. That was, that was filthy. But it never felt like Penn State had a chance of winning this game. And, and the gap between these two programs was supposed to be getting smaller. And it didn't look small. It looked like yeah. a big-ass gap between these two teams. And it's starting to feel like the only way Ohio State loses a football game is if the Rona gets them. Yeah, I mean, Penn State, you do have to factor in that best defensive player opted out. Yeah, Michael Parsons is – I mean, he's ridiculous. He can be a top-ten pick. And it closes the gap some definitely. there. Yeah, that's but, a great point. Great point. Um, what really struck me about this football game, number one, that is one hell of a uniform matchup. Oh, the the Buckeyes road unis against Penn State's, uh, you know, classic blue. That was awesome. I love watching those two teams. Hated that it was an that was like whenever I saw those two teams and saw that empty stadium, it's like, oh man, yeah. Supposed to was be that there. the first time? Uh, that that was the first time I had that reaction. I was yeah. like, "Oh man!" Yeah. Like they were showing what the whiteout normally looks like. I was like, "Oh god, that's oh, which this is the worst." I don't think there's any way around saying that that type of atmosphere would have helped Penn State in that football game. I I don't think there's any doubt. I but, mean, there's no doubt uh, that. But I don't know how really you factor that in, it, like, right? Yeah. But. I think that would have helped them there. But, man, I'll tell you what, Ohio State, they are – they're fantastic. They are, they, they're just fantastic. I love their offense. And I'll just tell you right now, that offense is the nightmare matchup for Oklahoma. If you look at what they do – their running game is all like the double and tr- three tight ends, end over, unbalanced run game with the quarterback factored into. It's like it's all heavy personnel. It's. I think that offense is pretty much the nightmare scenario for anybody. <laughs> That's true. I mean, their That's their true. skill talent is whoo. They got but speed, man. They all got the speed. things that we've had trouble with this year is like what their offense is. Like the Iowa State stuff, the Kansas State stuff, that's what me, Ohio State does. You want me to tell you something that will make you feel better? Sure. There's no way OU's <laughs> going to have to play Ohio State that does, this year. It does not make me feel better, although it is true. Yeah. Well, um, they're fantastic. And, you know, maybe maybe they slip up. But I, I just don't see Alave it. is legit. He's going to be a first-rounder, and I guess I think Ryan Day is now angry at the world after that whole thing that happened at the end of that first half. The, the long – like, how did that only take a second? That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and I, I think he's going to take it out on everyone else. He was so angry. I, You know, at first, if I'm Day, I'm pissed off at the clock operator and the referees. Second – I'm pissed off at my quarterback. You could stand there all day long, and, I mean, there was no one around you. They didn't come off the football at all. 
I mean, just wait until you see the double zeros before you take the knee. But anyways, I, that was, that was a strange sequence. I suppose that's the only complaint you have if you're <laughs> right. Ohio State, which means it was probably a pretty good day at the office. Uh, next game, we talked a lot about this one, and we were confused. We didn't understand, and we learned an important lesson, Teddy. When Vegas tries to tell us something, we need to listen. We need to listen because number 16, Kansas State, goes to Morgantown and gets drilled by the Mountaineers 37-10. to 10. And I think we finally saw K-State's offensive limitations catch up to them. Uh, Will Howard, for the first time, he looked like a freshman quarterback in this one, made some really bad decisions with the football. West Virginia did a good job. you got to give them credit. Uh, That defense continues to be rock solid. They absolutely shut Deuce Vaughn down. And it kind of surprised me. Jared Dagey, he got things going offensively. And sometimes I forget that West Weekends. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that West Virginia's got so much speed at the wide receiver position. And they got guys that can run. And those guys gave Kansas State a lot of trouble. Their speed. Gave Kansas State a lot of trouble. I, I couldn't believe how many tackles Kansas State missed, especially in the back end. Uh, I was really surprised. Now, credit to Letty Brown. That guy's a hell of a back. I think he's one of the most underrated running backs in yeah. the country. He continues to be a workhorse uh, for Neil Brown and the Mountaineers. But it's a nice win for West Virginia. And, and I was thinking about this, Teddy, with what we've seen so far and with Oklahoma State going down, like – I think Neil Brown, at this point in the Big 12 season, I think Neil Brown is the front runner for Big 12 Coach of the Year. Uh, what he's done with what he was left from Dana, whew, he has done a hell of a job in Morgantown. He has. And, you know, I was talking about this with, oh, maybe it was Toby yesterday before the game, that West Virginia went from the worst team by a mile at rushing the football in the Big 12 to at one point they were the best. They're not anymore, but they're running it for 172 yards a game. They've got 13 rushing touchdowns. Um, Iowa State's the number one team right now with, with uh, Brees Hall, but that's a heck of a turnaround. I think last year they averaged like 2.9 yards a carry or something like that. It was It was below three. And to have that type of turnaround for them is great. Daggy's gone over 300 yards in back-to-back games. I know they lost that that Tech game, but West Virginia has the number one pass defense in the Big 12. They're only giving up 157 a game. They've got the number one total defense in the Big 12, giving up 255 yards a game. The number two scoring defense, only giving up 19.8. You look at all that and total offense West Virginia's number two to Oklahoma right now in total offense like in every category it is West Virginia kind of good I don't know how they lost that game to Texas Tech honestly because the big 12 makes no sense (laughs) this year's weird I know I you know I looked at that because of some of the things I've saw for I saw from West Virginia and I was like 
Dude, Tech is – I mean, they got to be good. And watching some of their stuff, they, they created some explosive plays offensively. They got it done on, on defense. They weren't great, but it was an all-around effort for them. But, yeah, West Virginia, that, that game in Morgantown is definitely looking more and more difficult by the week. Yeah, there's no doubt. Maybe the most difficult part of that game will be how we get there. <laughs> To be determined, right? We'll oh, see. my God. I'm telling you right now, I'm not driving to Morgantown. I'm telling you right now, it ain't happening. Not that, happening. I, you know, whenever we drive down, there's the excitement of the game. You're going, you know, there, all of that. The drive down is way better. The drive home, I get angrier by the mile on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> Just furious at one point. Um, all right, one more game, Ted. Arkansas, really, it, and it really wasn't close. I know they add, added a couple scores late, but Arkansas goes to number eight Texas A&M, and A&M takes care of business. They look good. They look like a very, very good football team. The Aggies win 42-31, and I'm telling you, it wasn't close. Now, good teams win. Great teams cover. I see you, Razorbacks. Way yeah. to go. But we thought this could maybe be a sneaky, tough game for Texas A&M, but they look good. And yeah. the difference in the game, it really came down to third downs. A&M did a great job converting third downs, and their defense did a great job of getting off the field on third down. And Kellen Mond, he looks like he's found some rhythm uh, now, I'm not going to start trusting him because I feel like we've seen this movie before, but another nice performance for him. They've got a ton of talent. Spiller is an absolute baller at the running back position. But, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at A&M's schedule, and it's very possible that they win the rest of their games and end up going 9-1. and one. Like, it, it can happen. It definitely can happen. If, if that version of A&M, Keep showing up each and every week, and it seems like they're finding some more consistency. Ted, are you getting worried? Because I I know you love bashing them, and so do I. We all do, but that looked like a damn good football team. I, hey, I I just try to call it how I see it, and right now the difference for them is the play of Kellen Mond. Now we've seen him flash at times and look like a a fantastic player, but then other times. He just hasn't shown up. In previous years, he's been uh, super turnover prone. But this year, 12 touchdowns to only two interceptions. That is huge for him. He is taking care of the football way better than he ever has. You go back and, you know, I don't know how they do the quarterback rating, but right now he's got by far his best quarterback rating than he, than he ever has in his career. Um, you know, he threw – Last year, he was a 20-touchdown, nine-interceptions guy. He's a two-to-one ratio, touchdown-to-interception. Right now, 12-to-two, if he holds that ratio and is, is continuing to make plays and not turn the football over, they got a chance. They do. I mean, that's, that's the big thing for them right now is they have they, – they've in that conference, whether it's Tua, whether it's Burrow – They've been getting beat at the quarterback position handily. 
if he continues to play this way, that levels the playing field. And once you level the playing field at quarterback, you got a chance. Yeah, and they got a tough one. They got to go to South Carolina um, this weekend. So we'll see, but they got South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and then they finish with Auburn. They're going to be favored in every game they play the rest of the way. They are. So I'm, I'm interested to see that Ole Miss game because Ole Miss is going to try and turn it into a track meet, and we'll see how, how they answer to that. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different style than anyone's really seen in the SEC. It's that old Baylor offense, man, where they, they're up-tempo, it's fast, it's, they're throwing it all over the field, making your defense run, they're cheating and how they sub guys on and off the football field. I mean, it's, it's, it's something different, and you've seen them have some success at least putting yards up. That will be an interesting one. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see A&M. A couple pieces of college football news. Now, Boston College did give Clemson a bit of a scare, but DJ Uyunglele gave – I mean, he, he gave us all the show, right? That is one big dude. And I also think a lot of people are spending a lot of time on how to say Uyunglele. <laughs> I mean, that's a – Uyunglele. Uyunglele, yeah. It, it's Uyunglele. not that hard if you practice it. I probably didn't even say it the first time I said it. DJ Uyunglele. Yeah. DJ works for me. DJU. DJU. Oh, that was terrible. I'm leaving it in. But um, he was good. He's clearly going to be a special player. But they come back and get the victory. But the big news actually comes – after the game, right, when Dabo informed us all that Trevor Lawrence will not play in Clemson's big showdown with Notre Dame, said he should be out of the protocol by Thursday or Friday, but says they will not have ample time to clear him with all the heart screening stuff. So I, I don't know if they're just being extra cautious. I, I don't know if they – just don't think it's feasible. I'm a little confused, but with Trevor Lawrence's future, I assume they don't want to take any chances. They want to be ultra cautious, which makes sense, and especially when you got a guy like DJ Uyunga Lele. He, he's good, but he's not Trevor Lawrence right now. So that game becomes a lot more interesting to me. Trevor Lawrence is going to play. See, that's what I was saying. I was talking to my wife about it earlier. I was like, this is all one giant troll job from Dabo. Like, he's going to be like, oh, well, some crazy development. It's going to be like Thursdays. But, well, there's been some developments, and he's playing. Right. I mean, what do you mean he's not going to have time to clear the, the heart screening? That's a, like a 15-minute a test. I was very confused. I was like, you can, you can get him an EKG, an echocardiogram, and a an uh, cardiac MRI back to back to back to back. Just do it all. Right. He's going to play. This is, a, this is a total troll job, and this is what's different between college and the NFL. Like in the NFL, like if you rule him out, I mean, I, you know, 
I don't necessarily know how, like, you've got to have a legitimate, like, injury report and stuff. Like, in college football, it's like, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you could say whatever you want about the guy. I think he plays. I hope What's he the, plays. If, if, if he's going to clear all of those things by, by Thursday, then – they wouldn't have even left for the game yet. Okay, but here's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I didn't know. That's why everyone was so surprised when he said this after the game. We were like, wait, like, shouldn't you wait and see what happens like during the okay. week? If he really wasn't going to play and Dabo knew that he wasn't going to play, oh, he wouldn't I... tell Notre Dame that on Saturday. That's what I, mean, I. That's why it was so confusing. It was like, Okay, should I believe him? Because if he wasn't going to play, and you knew he wasn't going to play, like you said, it's college. You don't have to release any information about the players and their injuries. Why well, he would he don't those give coaches them, going? I mean, what do we do? We what, how are we going to? They would what, have to chase ghosts all week, right? Yes, exactly. So I, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Which I. I'll be honest. I didn't watch a whole heck of a lot of the Boston College game, but I need to go watch it because the first half, Boston College sent they okay. Give them some credit. Their offense, those receivers, they made some plays. They won some one-on-one matchups in the back end. Like they had some great, great catches. Etn had a fumble that got scooped and scored. There were some weird things that happened, but I mean. Clemson does what championship-type teams do. They weathered is, the storm. They won the game. I agree. But it presented a unique opportunity for Clemson to put a different quarterback out there, a younger guy that hasn't played, and Taylor fit the offense around him. So you can you can do some different things, some simple things, whatever it is that you do, but it's different than how you would treat Trevor Lawrence, right? It's a different game plan. So, no, according to Clemson, they didn't change anything for and maybe DJ they didn't. Uwe Lungalale. Nothing. Nothing changed. Oh, why, why do coaches say dumb shit like that? Of course things changed. It's not Trevor Lawrence. What I'm saying is it gave them an opportunity – to troll the hell out of Notre Dame and put another quarterback out there with a diff- a couple of different things to play on some of his strengths and, and, and you know, uh, hide some of his weaknesses. And then you win the game. And then after the game, you say, well, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to play. So, you know, we're glad that DJ played the way he did, you know, whatever. And Notre Dame's sitting there saying, okay, well, this is the offense that we're going to see. It's going to be a little bit different than what Trevor Lawrence does, but this is what we're going to see. He's playing, dude. This is, they're trolling him. They're trolling I hope you're Notre right. Dame. I hope you're right. I want to see him play. I want to see, he's the best player in college football. I want to see the guy play. Like, and this is no like doubt. their biggest game, I mean, that they've had in the regular season in years. It seems yeah, like. and we're probably going to get a rematch of these two teams in the ACC championship game, but still, like, this is an awesome game. I want to see all the players in it. I still want, and people, I know Notre Dame has a lot of haters out there. I still want Notre Dame to win the ACC the one year that they're in it and say, see you later, bitches. We'll take the trophy with us. We're never coming back. One and done. 
hilarious <laughs> would be hilarious uh okay one more thing before we move on to segments there was a pretty awesome brawl between florida and missouri and it, it seemed like okay the hit on kyle trask it was high it was late uh, i i could see it being labeled as a little dirty i wouldn't have liked it if it would have been the hit on my quarterback that's probably the best way to put it uh, we would have been thrown down a little bit but Dan Mullen is, I mean, that dude is, he, he's a fool. He is just, I mean, he's, he is going to get fined a huge amount of money. for. He just runs out on the field and basically instigates that entire fight. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it would have only been better if he would have just ran out there and drop kicked the kid that hit Trask. <laughs> like well, he went after one of the other coaches. The guy he went after the everyone. Yellow. And they were pointing at each other, going after each other. And then they got both of the coaches together, head coaches, before they went in for halftime. And it got, you know, pretty animated between the two head coaches. And then he walks off. And it's like it's the WWE. He starts getting the crowd going. Let's he, like, go. came back out from the tunnel, too. He's like, come on. <laughs> it was awesome. And then to, to put a cherry on top, his post-game presser, he's wearing a fucking Darth Vader outfit. <laughs> like, answering questions about him basically starting this brawl between these two teams in a Darth Vader costume. He's got the lightsaber and everything. It was, it was, <laughs> it was so damn funny. It was awesome. Hey, you know what? He's, uh, he's amped up. He's animated. And I know they're going to get guys. There's probably going to be some suspensions, some... I don't know what all is going to happen from that. He's going to get fined. But you know this, dude. Teams rally around stuff like that when a coach goes out there and shows that he will go to battle for his guys. Yeah. Teams will rally around that. Yeah. That team will rally, but, dude, they got a lot of guys injured. I mean, they have been been bit by the injury bug. Have you ever punched anyone in the helmet with a fist in a fight? So, no, but the one uh, – I've only been in a couple fight. never been in a fight like that in a game, definitely been in a couple in practice, just like any guy that's played, you know, major college football and pro football. But uh, I did break my hand in one in spring ball going into my senior year. <laughs> yeah. I, I did not punch a helmet, though. I had my hand on a face. It was – Bill Beanboat was so pissed off. I – pancaked Frank Shannon and he was mad about it and he got up and started punching me and I grabbed his face mask and he did something with his head I don't know really know what happened but I think my hand was like in between like different bars on the face mask and it did something weird to my hand and broke my hand like it twisted it and just like and I was like I walked right up to Beanbo he goes you all right I go I broke my hand he goes what I was like, yeah, broke my hand. <laughs> I, I've never punched anyone in the helmet, but I know that, like, that's ex- that, that's the first thing you think about doing is whenever you get into well, you something like that. you just lose your damn mind in those situations. Like, I, you, but, you don't think. One time I got in a scrimmage. Somehow I got my fingers caught inside Jamal Brown's face mask. Uh-oh. And he thought that I was, like, grabbing him by the face mask, but I was just trying to get my fingers out. 
and he started swinging on me and i'm like hey and i'm like dog dodging punches left and right i was like my finger's stuck and he's like swinging at me. it's pretty funny hey it's pretty funny i'm not doing anything i swear please stop (laughs) please stop trying to kill me all right ted uh let's move on to our segments let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend and teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by advanced weight loss clinic of sand springs They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your- who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I'm pretty much just going to take like the whole schedule. Um, the winner is the SEC team who next plays Mississippi State. Oh, because another zero, bro. Zero points. Believable that Mike Leach, who, you know, whenever they didn't score a touchdown against Kentucky, was the first time in his career, head coaching career, that they'd been held without an offensive touchdown. And now it's happened twice. And I got news for you. It's probably going to happen again. They got Vanderbilt, which is an opportunity, but Auburn's defense is starting to play real well. Then they got to go to Georgia. I mean, it's going to get way uglier before it gets better for Mike Leach down there. And at some point, they're going to be so pissed off at him that he's going to lose his whole team. He's, I don't know if you noticed, but he's already losing his team. Like guys are just leaving and opting out. And we'll see. Uh, Hard year for him. They do hard year to go in and install his offense. And I know it's a very simple offense, but, you know, it, it's it's simple in a sense that there's not a lot of plays, but it's complex because you've got to really know and understand all of the plays and how to make them work against all the different looks. So that's always difficult. And he's a unique guy. And I, you know, the understatement of the century. Yeah, I I, I just I feel like that they're going to start teeing off on that team down there and. I won't. I, I, I won't be surprised happen. when they lose to Vanderbilt. Yeah. I, th- that team, they got nothing going for them. No, nothing. And the defense was it was a bright spot early, and now the offense can't do anything. So the defense just worn down. Uh, it it's a bloodbath right now. Yeah. All brutal. right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend, Ted? <laughs> I I just I think this is kind of funny because. Oklahoma loses back-to-back Kansas State, Iowa State, and everyone around the Big 12, like, perked up. It's like, this is the year. Someone else is going to – is it going to be Texas? Is it going to be Iowa State? Is it going to be Oklahoma State? And right now, it's going to be Oklahoma. I mean, I it's going to be Oklahoma's going to win this conference. And it's the same thing all over again. So I just got to like the rest of the conference. I'm sad to say, and I may be eating my words at some point. They've got some tough games, but if they continue on this trajectory, 
it's got to piss everyone in the Big 12 off so bad that they lose two games early and still climb back and win the conference. And, you know, another bad part for the other teams, all the OU fans can just be like, you know, we, we'd be undefeated if those guys wouldn't have been suspended. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. The built-in excuse, baby. It's, it, hey, it's... Let me ask you something. If if we've got a bunch of one-loss teams out there and, you know, you get away, like maybe Clemson loses to Notre Dame twice, I, I, I don't know. But is there any way if Oklahoma is, like, playing fantastic football that they would factor that in? I, I think there's a way if they only had one loss. Yeah. The second loss, and then the thing that I, I think it was hindering the Big 12 from the jump, the second that Kansas State and Iowa State lost to Arkansas State and Louisiana, the Big 12's reputation went to shit. I mean, that's yeah. just – especially when those teams were beating other Big 12 teams, and then it was like, okay, this is – if those two games wouldn't have happened – Maybe. Well, I, I agree, but the fact of the matter is this. They want to do everything they can to replace Oklahoma anyways, even with one loss. Correct. So I don't see, I don't see a chance. That yeah, there's, no, there's no way, but I do think there, there is a possibility to where if Oklahoma, like you said, the trajectory this team is on, if they keep improving, there's going to be a couple people in that room on the selection committee that goes, you know, Oklahoma's playing pretty well. Like we can't put them in, but they're playing pretty well. Like that, that those conversations are going to happen if they the keep improving that, the way they are. The big thing that would change everyone's mind is if it's led by our defense, you know, right. if, if yeah. that's where you see the real massive turnaround, our offense is going to be what it is. And people are going to say, Oh, great. Look, Oklahoma's scoring a lot of points, but if our defense is, is balling, then that gives you a little bit of a chance. I'm very excited about where Oklahoma's headed this year, but I'm also realistic. Like, they would get run off the field by Bama. They'd get run off the field by Clemson. They'd get run off the field by Ohio State. They're not not that far off, but still, when you look at the defensive personnel, that's the thing. For me, you look at the defensive personnel of those three schools and you look at OU's defense personnel. While it's getting better, and I think they're playing better team defense right now, they're, they're still a long way off when you look at it from that aspect. They just are. And, I mean, honestly, next year was the year anyways. And You've been saying that for a while, man. It may do them some good to not make the playoff where you're hungry the next year and go win a bowl game and have some good momentum, feel good about yourself headed in, headed into the off season and, and have a good spring and continue to build. Yeah, no doubt. All right. My winners and losers are brought to you by sound advice. Now uh, I always tell you that they do my Wi-Fi. They did all the audio visual. I can control everything from my phone. I say the same thing, every ad read, but how about this service? Teddy, I had to do all the stuff from my mother-in-law's, right? When our cable and internet 
went out, our power was out. I needed a Cat5 cord that could reach from her electronics closet upstairs to my wife's childhood bedroom. So I called my buddies at Sound Advice. They hooked me up with a 100-foot cable, let me borrow it so I could do radio. That's what you get with them. Call them, 405-549-3880, or visit soundadviceokc.com. That is Oklahoma hospitality. Love it. Let's go. All right, my winner of the weekend. Now, I I was going to make Jim Harbaugh my loser, but then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to make my winner of the weekend Mel Tucker because this guy was being shit on all week for losing to Rutgers. And then, and remember, his situation, he was not like the other first-year coaches. He didn't get that job till what, like February? Right, when yeah. D'Antonio was like, you know what, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so his set of circumstances was even worse. So I, I understood his team maybe not being that well prepared for the Rutgers game. Shiano had those guys ready to go, but Mel Tucker in Michigan State they go to Ann Arbor, and Mel Tucker becomes the second coach in school history to beat Michigan in his first game. The only other guy to do it, some guy named Nick Saban. So I'd rather praise Mel Tucker than bury Jim Harbaugh because I don't know why anyone is surprised anymore when Michigan disappoints. I, I just said, we've seen it time after time after time. And the thing about that game, we've seen some of these Michigan, Michigan State games, like where some weird stuff happens, right? Ball goes right through the punter's hands. You know, we, we, we've seen some weird stuff. There was nothing weird in this game. No turnovers him. for either team. I mean, Michigan State straight up beat Michigan. There was nothing fluky about it. They were the better team. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Like, they went toe-to-toe with them and outlasted them. And Rocky Lombardi, he was a lot better in this football game. Uh, the Spartans took care of the football. And that true freshman, Ricky White, you better not be comfortable playing man-to-man coverage against that guy because he was running by dudes from Michigan and they just had big plays. Mel Tucker is a defensive guy. He had to be really pleased with how Michigan State's defense played because they made Michigan earn everything. Didn't give up any huge plays. Joel Milton couldn't throw touchdowns through the air. They had to run it and run it and run it, and they had to grind drives out, and Michigan Michigan State wanted it more. It was a hell of a bounce back for Mel Tucker, Ted. No, it was. Um, I like Give that Mel guy Tucker. credit. I mean, man, I, I think he's going to do really good job there. Um, you know, remember he was the he was the defensive coordinator for Georgia whenever we played him out in the Rose Bowl. He's a really good coach. Uh, coached in the NFL for a long time. Uh, recruits well. Coaches well. I think he can do a really good job there. I do. Yeah. All right, my loser of the weekend. Uh, I thought about going with every player on the Browns and the Raiders for having to play in that God awful weather. It was like sleeting and also a windstorm. 
sleeting sideways. It Everyone was, was like squinting as the ice is like bouncing off their face mask and hitting them in the face. It, it was brutal, but uh, my loser of the weekend is NFL fans in the state of Tennessee. Uh, okay, let me explain. So the Titans had what appeared to be an easy matchup this weekend against the Bengals on the road in Cincinnati. But it was kind of suspicious. The Titans were only favored by seven, which, you know, that's a decent line in the NFL. But it was like, man, it seems like it should be a little bigger than that. Like, Titans have been rolling and the Bengals, they, they just can't figure it out. But then you start learning maybe why that line was the way it was because, well... Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, Sunday morning, legal sports betting went live <laughs> in that state. So it was an absolutely beautiful trap set by odds makers. The Bengals won. Of course they did. They won the football game. And some, some of these, you know, you could bet it on FanDuel. I think you could bet it on you know, BetMGM, and BetMGM went as far as refunding Titans fans up to $200 that bet on the Titans to cover or on the Titans' money line. They're like, okay, we've got them. Let's, let's give them this $200, and we'll have them for life. Oh, my but God, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it was not a coincidence. I was like, oh, my gosh, these people got set up so artistically by these betting companies uh, I felt bad for them. They're the losers of the weekend. I can only imagine how much money was lost by citizens of the state of Tennessee on the Tennessee Titans. That I can't believe we voted for this crap. I want my money back. No, that's <laughs> that's great. Um, I mean, good for them to try and you know keep them on the lure there instead of uh, just taking that, that first weekend pounding and uh, customer service, man, you got to have repeat business. That's, that's great. That's, um, that's a brutal way to start off, but Hey, you know what? They'll be back. They'll be back. Gabe. What? You didn't see the 31 20 loss to the Bengals coming Titans fans. Come on. Come on. Hey, I'll say this though. I mean, I like Joe Burrow, dude. I mean, well, yeah, he's awesome. He's fun to watch, man. That dude is tough. He's tough. He's been getting destroyed in the pocket. And please invest in your offensive line, Cincinnati. Please. Keeps getting up, keeps ripping it down the field, keeps leading those guys. He's having himself a year, man. Yeah. He's earning a lot of respect in that league. Rookie of the year? Gotta be. I mean, who else? I mean, who's who else would even be in the running right now? I don't know. It's just going to. Barring something crazy from Tua, I mean, Dolphins won. That was yeah. Tua looked pretty dang good. Um, I was impressed. All right, Ted, let's wet the beak. Wet the beak's brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing, and of course. He can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. 
Tim and his team are so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. The new Melee coffee maker is in, Ted. It's getting oh, installed. Really? Let's go. I'm so fired up. That a boy, Tim. Tim Hughes is your man if you need a custom office building. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Monday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Bucks are on the road against the New York Giants, who had a bit of a COVID scare this week, but it seems like things are all good now on that front. But also a good time to remind people, the New York Giants, New York Jets, they play in New Jersey. A lot of people forget that. It's just silly. I just, just wanted to mention that. But the Bucks may be playing the best football of anyone in the National Football League right now. They shredded. The Raiders, that offense from the Bucks, shredded the Raiders last week. Now, no Chris Godwin had the finger surgery, uh, going to be out for a little bit, but they still have Mike Evans and Gronk and Brady's new favorite target, your man, Ted, yeah. Scotty Miller. And that running game with Ronald Jones is solid. So it's going to be a fun matchup because I, I do think both of these teams have solid defenses, but – the Bucks offense going against the Giants defense should be a lot of fun for us to watch. And I, I think the game will probably come down to Daniel Jones and this Giants offense being able to get something going against that Tampa Bay defense, who's now missing a couple pieces, had some guys go down for the year. But uh, I still think that defense is for real playmakers at all three levels. I'm not so sure the Giants are going to be able to run the football against this Bucks front, and I, I know the line is big. Uh, the The Bucks are favored by 12. I'm laying the 12. I, I think the Bucks are rolling right now, and um, I'm rolling with Tom Brady, Indomitian Sue, and that entire group. They, they got dudes. They may be the best team in the league right now. I mean – if, if you've got to bet the football game, if you have to take a side, you take the side of the team that is what leading the NFL in sacks, I believe, or right there they're, close. They're also leading the league in run defense. Leading Bucks the are. lead in run defense. They're number three overall total defense, allowing under 300 yards a game. Oh, and by the way, Offense, not too bad either with Brady and all those guys. You know, what I think is interesting is they eased Gronk into this season. Like He was pretty quiet early on, but they're starting to feed him quite a bit right now. And, and he's starting look at to look those, more like himself, which is he fun. Is, he is. And, um, I, you know, you just – that offensive line, I think Brady was brutal on those guys early on. And he still is. But I think they're starting to play better. Everyone realizes. Dude, Gabe, you've seen this. An NFL locker room, when all of a sudden you're a team that's got a chance and you believe in your quarterback and you believe that, you know, if you just go out and do your job that you're going to win football games, it changes the entire feeling around the entire organization. And Brady's done that around Tampa. So if you got to bet this game, you bet the Bucks and don't even think twice about it. 
And uh, one interesting angle in this game, uh, one interesting storyline, Jason Pierre-Paul. I think it's the first time, because I think he was hurt the first couple times Yeah, that these two teams were playing. And I, I think he's going to have a big night. I think he's going to be very excited to play against his old team. Does he still have the like the? Yes, I, I don't think the fingers grew back, man. I don't think I don't think yeah. he's Wolverine. <laughs> but I, I that he's been. He said some things this week. He's like, you know, I'm going to show them they made a mistake. Uh, I believe the, uh, I believe the quote was that he is going to destroy the Giants on Monday Night Football. Join so the keep crowd. an eye. Yeah. Keep an eye on uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. He's, uh, I think they're second in the league in sacks. I think I looked yeah. at it earlier Steelers today. Steelers are number one, I believe. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, Steelers one, Tampa two, Rams three. And Washington Redskins are number five, Gabe. And not going to get off, off topic, but I think they're going to be good in the next couple of years. Agreed. I, I like the guy they hired as the president, too. I think I I think that organization is gonna you know, get a little more organized. Get a little more organized. We'll see. We'll see. You never know with Dan Snyder still owning the team. All right, Ted. Let's finish up with everybody's favorite segment, and that's keeping it local. Wait, you took the Bucks, right? We're both Bucks. All right, lay the yes. twelve, people. Lay we never get these day. wrong. Lay the twelve. Come on. <laughs> All right. Keeping it local. It's where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. It's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopen in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children, so they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available for more information Visit bmchs.org. I, I will say this uh, for the you're Bishop sending, McGinnis. You're sending your kid to McGinnis. Perfect. All well, right. I was just going to say we had uh, over the weekend, we spent about 12 hours in the car. And I would say a good third of that, Gabe, was hard selling me on my son going to Bishop McGinnis. So it only makes sense. Do you care about his education or not? Yes. Well, there you go. There's only one place, and I'm so hey, I, there was a couple kids in my grade. The Dyes, they lived in Purcell and drove every really? day. Yeah, Ooh. so even even further, you know, farther, further, farther, farther's distance, further's degree. I learned that from the movie <laughs> Finding Forrester. If you hadn't seen, oh man! Speaking of which, R.I.P. Sean Connery. He's oh, fantastic in that movie. I know that was crazy. Uh, yep. Well, it's speaking, been one of those years, man. Yeah, speaking of, you know, influential people that we lost, uh, Billy Tubbs uh, passes away at the age of 85. I think first and foremost, fuck cancer. It's the worst. We all hate it. I, I think that's fair to say. But just a legendary coach and a legendary Oklahoma coach. Obviously, a lot of people know him for Billy Ball which people still talk about the high-scoring, up-tempo style, 
that his team's had. Uh, I mean, I've heard my dad talk about it so much over and over again, how entertaining those teams were. And he was hired at OU in 1980 and had a ton of success. I mean, took Oklahoma basketball to a place it had never been. And he won four Big 8 titles and, of course, had that very special team in 1988 where they lost in the national championship to Kansas and Teddy, do any OU fans talk about that game ever? Oh, never, never, never never heard anything about that. I mean, never, no one ever talks about that game, but was just a special man. Um, You know, I know uh, Tommy Tubbs, one of his son. uh, How about this, Ted? Tommy Tubbs kids went to Christ King where I went to grade school, then went to McGinnis. How about about that? that? How about Perfect. That? But Tubbs family, tremendous group of people. And it just – you look at this guy's career and you forget where he took OU basketball. I mean, they were a number one seed in the NCAA tournament three times with him as a coach. I mean, just think about that. OU is a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But he truly changed OU basketball. He did. And he's got the school record for wins. He was two-time national coach of the year, uh, just an absolute stud of a coach. And then you start hearing all the stories, right? People tell me it sounds like the guy was an absolute riot, life of the party, just awesome to hang out with. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, I really not never got any of those experiences with him. But uh, that clip of him taking the mic to talk to the fans against Missouri is one of the all-time clips where he says, you know, at the referee's request that regardless of how terrible the officiating is, do not throw stuff on the floor. That is an all-time moment in coaching in, in general. It's, it's one of my favorite. Uh, so just it, it sucks. Uh, cancer's the worst, but in a better place, Ted. Yeah, I mean – 85 years, that's a, that's a good, long life. He lived a good, long life. He's, uh, gosh, remembered so well around here. It, the first time I heard that story, I was like, that can't be true. There's no way that it There's that a happened. video. <laughs> I know. I, that is just the best thing ever. And, you know, whenever you talk to people about that era of OU basketball, it, I mean, when you talk about the hottest ticket in town, you could not get tickets to OU basketball. The place was packed to the rafters. You just standing room only. You could not get in there. And uh, they would just, you know, change the game were so fun to watch up and down the floor. Some of the best players in, in college basketball history. That's what an era, man. Uh, I know people still talk about that whenever they start talking about some of those players and the coaching staff. And it's, it's really something special, man. It really is. Yeah. So uh, thoughts and prayers to the Tubbs family. And then to all the, you know, people that coach Tubbs influence throughout all the years. I mean, you think all those players, man, what Tisdale, Mookie Blaylock, Stacy King, like, I mean, it, he had some dudes. I think I read something. He had like 17 guys that were drafted in the NBA draft. So a hell of a basketball coach. Sounds like he was a hell of a good time too. And he is going to be dearly missed. And on that note, episode 56 in the books, Ted, 
we'll we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder: Are we gonna? Are we really gonna preview OU Kansas? I guess that's that's what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll keep the of course. Routine. Yeah, sure. <sighs> it's a waste of time, but okay, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Uh, just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk fourteen hundred. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.